0: Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.
1: Welcome to Camp Constitution Radio with your host, Hal Shirtliff. The show is heard on WBCQ, the planet, every Monday and Thursday evenings at 11, I'm sorry, 7.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Broadcast out of beautiful Monticello, Maine in Arista County. Also, you can pick this up, or at least some of the shows, on Potomatic, Potomatic.com, and just punch in Camp Constitution, and on our YouTube channel. And we ask you, if you have not subscribed to our YouTube channel and our Potomatic page, uh, with that case, I guess you don't subscribe but you follow, we encourage you to do so. You can also uh, learn more about us on our uh, website, CampConstitution.net, and you can learn about our week-long family camp. You can go to our calendar to okay. see the events that we uh, we do around the, um,
0: the around the region,
1: around the country. So again, CampConstitution.net and our annual family camp. Uh, next year's camp is slated for July 18th to the 23rd at the beautiful Singing Hills Christian Camp and Retreat Center in Plainfield, New Hampshire. Well, on the line we have my brother from another mother, Reverend Stevie Craft. How you doing, Rev?
0: I'm blessed. Yeah, we have a little, little snafu, but uh, I'm on the cell phone, so we can That's roll. That's
1: all right. Yeah, I, I don't know. Sometimes sometimes when you call, we we use the talk shoe format, and sometimes uh, you get issues. Uh, usually it works fine, but every, every every now and then, a little trouble calling in. Anyway, Rev, uh, you and I have been busy uh, the last, uh, actually, since you relocated to uh, Lexington, Massachusetts, which is just a short distance from where I live in Boston. And this past week, we were at uh, an event in Portland, Maine, and then uh, we held an event at the Lane House. We showed the documentary Unsustainable uh, put out by uh, James Yeager, uh, 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 Matrix Films. And what made that documentary a little special to us is that we were in it.
0: (laughs) Yes, sir. Yes, sir.
1: Yeah, James Yeager, uh, he's... Got a great list of uh, documentaries under his um, in his portfolio, so to speak. He did one called Fiat Empire. He did one on cultural Marxism. He did one called Molon Labe uh, dealing with the gun control issue. And he did Unsustainable. And what uh, how we got in there is that he had sent out an email to his uh, you know his list, and they were asked you know he asked what should I fo- what topics should I focus on, and most people said agenda twenty one and then he sent an email out and he said, "Who should I have in the documentary and a whole bunch of names came up, including my name. I'm kind of honored that my name would come up and yes. uh, I actually met James prior to the event I met him um I met him a couple of maybe a year before he started doing the documentary, but all the people that he had uh he had planned to interview included John McManus. It included Lord Christopher Monckton, Willie Soon, Debbie uh who else was there? It was a few others, uh, and me, of course, and I said to James, I said, there's no need for you to fly all over the creation. I said, why don't you come to our camp? This was uh, last year, 2019, in Pittsfield, Massachusetts. I said, about six of us will be there, and you can uh, interview us and, you know, have, you, have your way around the camp, so he that's what he did, so we were very excited about that. Anyway, oh yeah, uh, you had a very interesting experience uh, recently. You attended a police chaplain's uh, event where you were certified as a police chaplain. So tell us about that. The importance of that title and the plans you have to um, to minister to the police.
0: Well, you know, I am very very excited, Hallie, about about that opportunity. God dropped that in my heart. I don't know, about a month and a half ago after we started having all kinds of violence against police officers. And the Lord made it very clear to me that the Ministry of Law Enforcement, which entails law and order, uh, the the Ministry of Law Enforcement is to protect the righteous and punish the wicked. And when I thought about that, I I had been quite frustrated. Prior to that, because as you know, my certification is in institutional correctional chaplaincy, but due to COVID, none of us that are clergy that are certified and endorsed as correctional chaplains, we cannot get into any of the institutions. Matter of fact, uh, you were willing to help me to try to get into uh, Concord, which is right here, Concord, uh, well, it's a medium security prison right here in uh, close by. But none of us can get in there. What they're doing, what Satan
1: has been doing. Hey, let, let me address it. that. For, okay, now um, inmates. I think that the prison ministry is very important. I think it's essential. Yes. I, I think you'd agree with that because you've yes. got these guys. Some of them are new believers. Some of them, uh, you know, they're looking at long prison sentences. So even, even the show, I mean, even a year or two away from your loved ones. And uh, and they have no spirit. Now they have no spiritual guidance. I would say that would take a toll on some of the inmates. Do oh, yeah. you agree with that.
0: Oh yeah, well it does more than take a toll. It 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 breeds all kinds of problems. Uh, number one, when when the institutions are locked down and people cannot get in, the families cannot even get in on a regular visitation basis. Visiting uh, privileges are suspended. So that means, since this COVID lockdown, I don't know exactly when the Department of Corrections around the country decided to bar outsiders coming in because of this virus. So, but whenever that was, I'm I'm just going to assume it was March, that being no inmates have had any uh, uh, personal contact with any of their families or loved ones since this lockdown began. The only uh, contact they've been able to do is through letter writing or telephone calls. And with the telephone calls, the, you know, the people on the outside cannot call in. The inmates have to call out. And if the inmates do not have any money on their commissary account, on their books, they can't even do that. So I would assume, I can't prove it obviously because it's censored, but I would assume that there's been a lot of, of of incidents, a lot of probably inmate-on-inmate violence. We have seen how much violence has been just in the outside community since this lockdown with domestic violence of, you know, people being locked down in their houses 24-7. So I know without a doubt, without having even being able to get in there, that there's probably been a lot of violent incidents behind the walls. But you're not going to hear about that, obviously, because the press is not going to put it out, and the Department of Corrections themselves is not going to put that out. But I can I can guarantee that that's what's happening. So now what, what, what the Marxists have been doing now is sending inmates out, those who they have, quote-unquote, considered not a risk to society, they have let them go back on the street. And some of these inmates are dangerous and have gone on the street and have committed new felonies as soon as they walked out the prison. gates. So we have a problem. So getting back to the police chaplaincy thing, I prayed about it. I said, okay, Lord, I can't get in, but I want to do some type of chaplaincy ministry because chaplaincy is a very specified, specialized, unique ministry. Chaplaincy works outside the four walls of the local church not inside the church. Chaplaincy is a form of evangelism, evangelistic ministry, rather than, well, it's past, It's a combination of pastoral and evangelistic. It's very specialized. So the idea dropped in my mind to approach the police uh, because I know there are police chaplains. I know there's chaplains in Congress. I know there's chaplains on professional sports teams. Every, so I said, let me approach the police. So I got online. I started doing a little Google searches and found out that there was a police chaplaincy program uh, based out of New Jersey. So I contacted the people and uh, told them my background as a guy named Gary Holden. He started the thing twenty some years ago. So I contacted the guy, signed up for it, and it just so happens one was coming up—a two-day seminar was coming up in northern New Jersey uh, last month, the end of the, the end of the month. So I signed up for it. And uh went down there it was about twenty twenty five of us in all, but every what was amazing how everybody the attendees were not all clergy. there was a mixture of clergy and a mixture of law enforcement that was there and that that surprised me because I was surprised to see police officers coming to a police chaplain's uh two day seminar and what I discovered being there with these people, I made good contacts. Matter of fact, I rode in one of the police cars and and went had lunch with one of the guys. And what I discovered was some of these police departments realize that, especially now, with all of the uh, violence against police officers and all of the all of the distrust in certain communities, basically urban communities, against police officers because of of you know. Police uh, shootings and what have you, so uh, some of these police departments realize that they have to go back to the community policing model rather than the militant uh, 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 overbearing police uh, model. So that's why some of them from two or three departments came to actually find out how chaplains could be a bridge uh, between the communities and the police departments themselves. So that's my next, that's what I'm looking forward to do now. I ordered a uh, uh, a bomber jacket. I, I haven't gotten it yet in the mail. And I'll have pol- uh, police chaplain uh, inscribed on it, uh, a cap that goes along with it, with chaplain over the top. As soon as those uh, articles come, then what I'm going to do here in Lexington, I'm going to go down to the Lexington Police Department, I know who the uh, detective uh, who is the community uh, resource officer, I'm going to make an appointment with him and I'm going to lay a vision on him for Lexington uh, as their volunteer chaplain. And then, uh, I, and, and so pray and have your audience pray that I will have favor with that and then I have to figure out obviously how to be, be able to monetize that because if that takes up a lot of my time, obviously I'm going to need uh, some type of uh, a uh, fi- uh, 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 financial, you know, uh, way to get to get that done because one of the things I learned at that two-day seminar, uh, the, the police officers said, and I have a whole jump drive of the whole two-day seminar uh, on how to present this uh, idea. But they told me the police officers told me that uh, the two biggest areas that they have uh, that they could use chaplains is ride-alongs, especially. On domestic violence, he says, because there's been a lot of domestic violence incidents that's since right. COVID. Yeah, that's you know, that's a big one. And the other big one is a uh, uh, traffic stops, because they never know on a traffic stop how it's going to go off. You know, it might just be a ticket writing, might be a warning, and that's the end of it. Or it might be uh, uh, somebody has a warrant, a felony warrant on them, and they draw a gun. You know, so so uh, uh, it's and then the ride-alongs. That's a big one, you know, so uh, that's basically for your view uh, your listening audience, kind of where I want to go with that once i uh, once I get my uh, uniforms and and then make an appointment with the community resource uh, officer here in Lexington.
1: Well, I think uh, I'm sure there are clergy clergymen pretty much around the country that could say, gee, maybe I could offer my services to the local police department. And now at this at this seminar you learned some things that for example there's a very high suicide rate among police officers. Right. And you know what's right. interesting? What I do my full time as a camp constitution director, I am meeting pretty much the best people in the world. You know, I'm not meeting uh, when I when someone calls me and says, you know, I'd like to have a visit with you I'm meeting pretty good you know it's a pretty good experience when you're a policeman almost every call you make you're meeting people who are in stress, maybe some real bad people crooks criminals, rapists, murderers, thieves drug you know drug addicts it's not exactly it's not like you're meeting the best people, and if you're around that a lot, it can get on you. It can be very depressing that's right, be, that's right. you know and then on top of that the the media the, the, the mass media, the corporate media, the left, big city mayors, city councilors, are going after with vehemence the local police. They want to defund them. Uh, here in Boston, Rachel Rollins, the George Soros-funded uh, attorney, uh, a prosecutor, basically said, "Policemen are murderers." Her own father was a policeman. You know, they're murderers. You know, they're all, and, and they're racist. So you, you see a policeman driving him back you know, in his cruiser oh, there's a racist, and every single black man lives in fear of that white racist policeman that's going to come out and do horrible things to that, that person. That's been the narrative, and it's a complete lie. But, and, and policemen are taking early retirements. They are, in some cases, just resigning, or at least transferring maybe from a big city to a smaller town where, hey, there's still crime, but not nearly as much. And they don't have the hatred that has been promoted. In fact, you told me when you went to the police station in Lexington um, after you saw this uh, this little Black Lives Matter display at the art center, uh, they said, "No, we we're doing okay here." He said, "We uh, we're actually hiring, right?" So.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's 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 what they said. Uh, the, the thing that i see going on because the virus of marxism is spreading all over the country that is very obvious so the police officers they they really really now need the work of 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 spiritual leaders that will number one pray for them pray with them encourage them speak to them from the word of god because it is true. Police officers are under serious attack by the enemies of, of, of America and the enemies of Christ. They're under serious attack. Police officers have the, one of the highest rates of suicide. I was surprised how high the rates were. Matter of fact, on my jump drive, there's a whole section on uh, the rate of rates of suicide. That's a big one. Divorce is another big one. Uh, violence is another one, a big one, because like you said, how what happens is because police officers every day, when they leave their home, whether they're detectives or whether they're uh, uh, patrolmen, and the patrolmen have it actually worse than the plainclothes detectives or uh, uh, cops, but anyway, what happens is they internalize all of the evil that they see every day on the streets. There's no way they can that they cannot internalize it. There's no way they can shut it down say, okay, my, my, my shift is over. I, you know, even though I saw uh, I had to put up police tape for a, a, a murder, it doesn't work that way. So what happens is they, they bring those spirits home to their families, and then they have to deal with their financial issues, and cops don't make a whole lot of money. Anyway, especially patrolmen, so they bring that stuff home, and then they are hit with all of the family issues. Uh, a little Johnny got suspended today because he got caught smoking a joint, and and, mm-hmm. and his little buddies say, hey, your daddy's a cop, bop, 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 and you're, 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 you're just like the rest of us. So police officers really, you just gave me an idea how police officers definitely need the the, the, the help of clergy. Problem is, that it's got to be the right kind of clergy. It's to not just be anybody who happens to have a clergy collar on and has right. gone to seminary. It has to be clergy who, number one, uh, that are filled with the spirit of God that can understand this thing from both sides. And what makes see? So you just inspired me with something. Something just dropped in my spirit. What makes what I believe God will do with me. Going forward is the fact that I have seen both sides of the of the spectrum. I have been a criminal. I have been a drug addict. You heard my. You were in church yesterday. You heard my mm-hmm. story. You heard my testimony. I know how the streets operate. I know how the criminal element operates firsthand. I was one. I was not some little goody two shoes nonsense. So I can minister to the community. Uh, about police officers, and at the same time, I can minister to the police officers about the community. One of the major factors that I learned, well, I knew it anyway, but cops confirmed it when I was at that that, uh, seminar, so many police officers themselves have alcohol and drug problems. See, so, uh, and, and one cop was talking about how they, some of the cops, some of the rogue cops, See because some of this cop criticism against cops is is not is, is valid, and the left knows that, so they they exploit that uh, but some of the one of the officers was one of the plain clothes officers that was there a captain he was talking about how internal affairs would always be kept busy with rogue police officers who would make drug busts and then keep the money. Or, keeps, or skim off some of the money and skim off some of the dope because they were drug addicts themselves. So right. uh, the cops, the cops, the, you know, the cops uh, uh, stuff, their clocks need to be cleaned too. So I see you just gave me some ideas here. I see big, uh, uh, a major opportunity here, a major door. Just talking to uh, uh, your listeners, uh, it just dropped in my spirit. There is a major door here. <laughs> excuse me to really minister to community <coughs> regarding the need for the ministry of law enforcement and at the same time there's a big need for the police officers themselves who are dealing with all type, these 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 maladies uh these drug addictions these alcoholisms these domestic violence where they're going home at night and taking out their taking out their their anger and their frustration on their on their wives, because uh, the bills are not getting paid, and 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 like one cop was talking about the shift work that cops have to do. Cops have to do shift work. He says he says, and they're so they're they're you know, one you know one week uh, the chief will say, oh you're going to work midnights this week, and next week he go work days. So that all takes a toll a toll on them, and when police officers which is the majority of police officers do not have a spiritual foundation, that then really uh, creates even a greater problem uh, because then they're just like the criminals. The only difference is they have, they have the weaponry and they have a badge, but, but, but they're still sinners and they still need uh, a ministry, and that's where the police chaplaincy can come in. That, that is powerful. Well, that know, just came uh, to me talking to you.
1: I've known a lot of policemen over the years um, from, my, from having my dad having a drug store and, you know, having problems being robbed. We've had uh, in my neighborhood here in West Roxbury, there are a number of policemen, and they're good family men. Most of them I know. Uh, there's some police ladies, too. I don't want to forget the police women. That's a real <laughs> – I'm sure it's a tough job on, the, on their part, too. Um, most of them, of course, uh, they're, you know, they're family men and, and women my uh, my daughters over the years uh they've gone to dance school and a lot of their uh f- f- friends there are parents of de- you know their parents are, are police or in law enforcement in some capacity um, they live in the communities i think in most departments you have to live in the town or city you serve i think there's a few exceptions here and there yeah so they're yeah. not uh, they're part of the community and. Um, and, and and lately, uh, there's been a lot of animus towards them. On the other side, however, though, there's been a lot of support. And you and I were at a Back the Blue rally uh, here in the West Roxbury section of Boston. And I was actually delightfully, su- delightfully surprised to see how many people came out, some people that surprised right. me. I didn't know that they would support you know, openly support the local police. It, it's interesting. Even the most anti-police people, you know, these Black Lives Matter, defund the police. But when they get in trouble, what do they do? <laughs> they call the cops. Call the cops. You know, <laughs> it's just uh, something's not right with that picture. If you really hate the cops, why would you call them if you have a problem, right?
0: Well, well, and this, we know what the we know what the narrative is. It has nothing to do with you know with with. Uh, public safety at all has to do with we have to destabilize through demoralization law enforcement and then nationalize the police at, uh, at where they
1: become that's right,
0: the that's enemy right, of the people. So, this stuff is dangerous. You know, the whole game goes back to Mark the Marxist narrative defunding a lot of the
1: Years ago, uh, I think there was um, Cleon Skousen published uh, 100 Goals of the Communist Party USA. And one of them is the destruction of local police. And that became evident by the 50s and 60s when the leftists, Marxists were pushing civilian review boards, which would be staffed by Marxists and leftists to undermine the police at the local level. In fact, uh, we reprinted something called... um, the communist attack on the free world police. It's just, uh, it was actually a testimony at, at, a, um, at a congressional testimony, and it showed how how the, the leftists could create riots. Riots, as you well know, aren't spontaneous. You know, you don't just show up at a riot. If they're yeah, it, right. They, may, they right. may look like handmade signs. Those rocks may look like they just picked them up. Uh, and we actually saw in, in this, uh, this police, um, Attack on the police, which we have on our website uh, in our book, bookstore or shop. You can go to our website, campconstitution.net, and get one. Um, it showed a, uh, it was a diagram of how, uh, in the city, how, how the communists used this to, you know, to get people into like pincer movements or what have you. We saw that right. happen in Chicago when they, were, they wanted to tear down a statue of Columbus, and the police had, ring, had a ring around, and you show the, the phalanx with their umbrellas. They had these umbrellas, so you couldn't see what was going on uh atop or behind. Then there was an ice cream truck well, It was a little ice cream not a truck but a little wagon with the, the your bicycle and that shows mm-hmm. up and that's full of frozen water you know frozen yeah. bottles of water which act like bricks yeah, and it really, yeah right. this thing was orchestrated this was not some type of that's um, right some, that's some right. type of you know this the, didn't spontaneously no. you know, spontaneously no.
0: do that yeah. No. Exactly. 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 And see, the police know that and they understand that, but what law enforcement many times does not understand is the spiritual foundations and the spiritual roots behind these matters. And that's why, like, this past weekend, uh, Saturday, you and I were up in uh, uh, southern Maine. and Portland, Maine. Police, so, yeah, yeah, Portland, Maine and they were so supportive of the freedom uh, rally there to the point that they actually gave us a police escort from Lincoln Park down to the heart of of the town, downtown to uh, Monument Square, and they were so supportive. And I walked over and talked to a couple of police officers after I made my little presentation, and they were so supportive to know that they're actually is a ministry of law enforcement coming out of scripture out of Romans thirteen. And then one of the one of the officers says, Reverend, uh, we know about police chaplaincy because I had mentioned to him that I just got certified for that. And one of them, one of the younger ones mentioned says, Yes, we know about that. We have a police chaplain here in Portland, in our Portland police department. So I was really encouraged to hear that. So uh, I've I've been really encouraged. I have some new ideas now on how I'm going to talk to uh, Detective Allen once I get. I'm waiting to get my uh, my uniform, and then I'm going to go on down to uh, Lexington PD and uh, talk with him about uh, how could I get involved in the Lexington Police Department to uh, to be their volunteer chaplain, <laughs> and uh, and then just see where where that goes. Uh, from there, because there's definitely definitely a definitely a need there to be a bridge between the uh, uh law enforcement the, the police departments and the people in the community and also hey Rat, we expanded. only have about a
1: minute Rat, we, ha- we have about a okay. minute left can you give the listeners the name of that entity um, that you attended the um the chaplain groups, that way they might be able to learn more about it and go to their website?
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's called the Police Chaplain Program. That's all they have to do is just Google that Police Chaplain Program, and it'll it'll come up.
1: Okay, great. And I especially like how you uh, said that that's a ministry. And, you know, as Christians, everything we do is a ministry, whether we're digging ditches, or working in a daycare or a factory, everything we do is supposed to glorify God. And right. again, um whether whether it's a policeman, whether it is a teacher, it it's a, whether you're delivering pizza, you know, it's a, it's a ministry. Right. Or at least you can use it as a ministry. A lot of a lot of Christians right. don't see that. They kind of compartmentalize it. Oh, today right. uh, you know, I'm going to I'm on church Sunday, but then tomorrow I become a a bricklayer and I you know, no, no. No, all no, things no, exactly. for God's glory. Everything they do, and I think I know that. Well, anyway, we're we're running out of time here, at Rev. I want to thank you for calling in on such short notice, uh, folks. You've been listening to the Camp Constitution Radio with your host Hal Shirtliff, and you can learn more about us by visiting our website, CampConstitution.net. Visit our shop where you can find some great books like Color Communism and Common Sense. <coughs> and not a shot is fired and other items, visit our Blumenfeld Archive uh, where you can have important uh, items, uh, homeschooling and researching and education. And, again, our website is campconstitution.net. And uh, until next week, may God richly bless you. Amen. God bless you.